After church, you can do that. Um, in our series on the book of Joshua, um, I'm really enjoying going through uh, this story again just for myself as I prepare the sermons. Uh, this week, we're in chapter 8, verses 1 through 20. I've called this week 13, I've called this sermon AI, or we're going to, actually, I'm going to not say AI because people think it's artificial intelligence. It's not... <laughs> I got people texting me this week, don't you know that's of the devil? Just stop, okay? <laughs> Just stop. This is, these are I moments. The city of I, you guys remember that from the last couple of weeks. Have you ever had times where you felt like that you were confidently following Jesus, you're on a roll, you're doing great, and then all of a sudden you went through a personal failure? Did that moment of personal failure cause you to feel embarrassed, discouraged? Maybe even you felt like you were unworthy of God's grace after all. And if we're honest, we've all had this experience. I know I have. And the impacts of these experiences of going great and then falling, they range from annoying to devastating. <clears throat> but for followers of Jesus... These moments are when we have the opportunity to feel most intimately connected with Heavenly Dad and his people. For true followers of Jesus, these moments are when God actually supernaturally encourages us and then also equips us to better serve him and his kingdom. In these moments, a true follower of Jesus, listen carefully, I'm going to make a definitive statement. In these moments... True followers of Jesus will never quit. They always get up. They always try again. They always learn. They always, no matter what happens, true followers of Jesus will keep following Jesus. For the rest of, these, for rest of today, I want to call these moments that I'm describing, I'm going to call them I moments. We will learn how followers of Jesus should respond to our own eye moments. You know, Joshua had an eye moment that was discouraging and, and devastating. But God would not allow I to be an excuse for Joshua to quit, even though he tried to make it so. Do you remember? Why don't we just go back to the other side of the Jordan? Why did you bring us here? This is ridiculous. But God used Joshua's eye moment to make him a better leader. A leader who was more reliant upon God than he had ever been before in his life. So let's look at Joshua chapter 8, <clears throat> verses 1 through 20. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the men with you and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho. But its spoils and livestock, this time you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. So Joshua and all the men rose up to Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men and sent them out by night. He commanded them, lie an ambush behind the city. Don't go far away from the city, but remain ready. The rest of us will approach the city from the front. And when they come out against us like they did before, remember the battle where they had and they ran and they were defeated. When they come out like before, we'll run like we did before, like we're afraid. 
And they will run after us until we draw them all out of the city, for they will say, they run from us just as they did before. And so we will run from them. Then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord will give it to you. As soon as you take the city, set the city on fire, do exactly as God says. I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out to the place of ambush between Bethel and I. But Joshua spent that night among the people. Joshua rose early, gathered all the people, and went up before the people to Ai. All the fighting men with him drew near the city on the north side of Ai with a ravine between them and Ai. He took 5,000 men, set them between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. Go back a little bit. So the main encampment was to the north and its rear guard to the west of the city. But Joshua spent that night in the valley. As soon as the king of Ai saw this, so now understand, the king of Ai sees Joshua, the leader. He looks like he's vulnerable. When When the king of Ai saw this, he and all his people hurried out to meet Israel in battle. But he didn't know about the ambush behind the city. Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten and fled toward the wilderness. All the people in Ai gathered to pursue Joshua and were drawn away from the city. No one was left in Ai or Bethel. They all went after Israel, leaving the city empty and open. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the javelin in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. Joshua stretched out the javelin in his hand toward the city. The men in the ambush rose up, and as soon as he stretched out his hand, they entered the city and captured it and quickly set the city on fire. When the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke and the sky, smoke filled the sky, and they were trapped. For the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against their pursuers. What a great story. And we'll see more about this next week, but you can see what happened here. I want you to see, historically speaking, there's a couple of things you have to understand before we can get to the fun part, that personal section. I want you to see Joshua doesn't quit. First of all, we see what God does. The very first thing God does for Joshua is Joshua is comforted. I mean, the first attempt that Joshua had to take Ai, as we learned a few weeks ago, it was a complete disaster. And in the aftermath, Joshua himself was devastated and he was tempted just to quit. Now, listen, God did expose the evil of Achan and his family, and he eradicated that evil from among his people. And this did clear the way for Israel to be successful. But Achan wasn't the only problem at I. Joshua had been too reliant on his own wisdom and his own strength. You guys remember how quickly he went into I. He thought this would be easy. But after all that, Joshua receives the same encouragement that we see God giving throughout the book of Joshua. Do not fear. I will give you the victory. Man, that reassurance probably comes at a good time for Joshua, don't you think? I mean, Joshua's confidence is shook. It's been a hard few days. The defeat and then Achan and his family. Have you ever experienced that kind of moment where things are really dark, but somehow through someone or something you hear God say, don't worry, I got you. I know I have. So Joshua is comforted, but then Joshua is instructed. God provides Joshua with a unique military strategy. And I want you to notice the difference between this strategy and the one he gave for them for Jericho. 
This strategy takes advantage of the city of Ai's complete overconfidence that is stemming from their very recent victory over Israel. God tells Joshua, I want you to stage what will appear to be another victory for Ai. And while you set this ambush force behind the city, I want you to take 5,000 troops, including yourself, and you will be the bait. 25,000 troops will be hidden. And AI will see them as the ambush hammer later on. But there's a wrinkle. Because a couple of days ago, the people in Bethel had heard how the city of Ai had defeated this mighty nation of Israel. And so the people in Bethel said, you know what we ought to do? I mean, Israel's going to have to go through Ai, and Ai can already defeat them. Let's all join together at Ai. So Bethel and Ai have come together against Israel. This is an alliance between Ai and Bethel that is formidable, but it also provides a very unique opportunity, doesn't it? And then we see what happens is the city of Ai is outsmarted. The enemy sees Joshua and his 5,000-man bait force full of confidence. They come out of Ai to meet Joshua. And Joshua and Israel, they really put on a good show here. They stage a fearful retreat. Oh, no, we're afraid. Run, run. And they start running toward the woods. Looking back, run, follow us. We're afraid. Ai and Bethel's forces, they recklessly take the bait and chase them. They leave the city of Ai completely undefended. And now the root of Israel's initial failure is actually now the root of Ai's failure, human overconfidence. And at just the right moment, during the chase, the enemy forces suddenly hear behind them these terrifying sounds of war. What in the world? What's going on? And reality sets then as they turn and see the city of Ai has been overrun and set on fire by the ambushing force that is behind them. And they can see it's much bigger than the one they were chasing. So now they turn around, they see the flames, they see this big force coming after them, they turn and what has happened to the other 5,000? They've now turned around and now they're charging them from the front. The 25,000-man ambush force slices through the city of Ai and pursues, and now the forces of Ai and Bethel are caught in a big pincer. To their shock, the men of Ai and Bethel have been outsmarted and trapped, and the battle that ensues, we'll read about it next week, becomes a total bloodbath. And that shock and awe, I want you to hear this, that shock and awe that I and Bethel felt, you know what it foreshadows? It foreshadows what Satan would feel at the resurrection. When the ambush force of resurrected Jesus catches him from behind. It's also what the forces of evil will feel on the day of the Lord that we learned about in the book of Revelation. That sinking feeling with, oh no, this is not going to be good. All right, that's the history. Let's look at the theology. What about God? What does he do and why and how does he do it? I want you to see how God uses eyes. <clears throat> James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance or endurance. Let perseverance or endurance have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
See, at I, God was doing two things. He did expose and eradicate that embedded evil that we learned about last week, but also he prepared his people to follow him better. See, God wanted Joshua to strengthen his face, his faith, to listen better. Because you know why? Because the mission that God had given Joshua and Israel is a very critical mission. You understand that conquering the land of Canaan is not just about land. It's about God who is in the midst of establishing a people who will become the blessing to all nations, including this one, through his son, Jesus. And as we have learned, all of this, Joshua going into the land, all of it foreshadows Jesus' command to us to go into the land with the gospel. But after that first battle at Ai, Joshua and Israel were ready to quit. Return to life on the other side of the Jordan River. Return to life before they were transformed. And that's why I love the story of what God does here. I mean, essentially, God says to Joshua, look, Josh, don't be afraid. Get up. Try again. But it's so much more than just a simple pep talk, right? He gives Joshua these very specific, rational, military, strategic instructions and directions. And after the initial grief and sadness, God assures Joshua that he will be better prepared this time. More reliant upon God's wisdom instead of his own. This time, they will take on AI exactly as God commands. As a matter of fact, Joshua said... Make sure you do exactly as God commands. Listen carefully, do it right. And they will do it with humility. Submission. Faith. And trust in God's wisdom instead of their own. So the city of Ai, the failure and the success, both parts of the story became together, woven together a valuable lesson and reminder for Israel in the years to come. Don't quit. Get up. Learn. Try again, no matter what. You know what this is an example of? Listen carefully. This is important. This is an example of God's sovereignty on display with his people. How he makes sure that everything works together for good according to his plan and his timing for those he has chosen out of darkness into light. You know, this story reminds me of Peter's eye moment. Joshua's struggles, his discouragement, his comeback, it reminds me exactly what happened to Peter. Just as Joshua was overconfident in the first battle of Ai, do you remember how Peter was overconfident too? Jesus, I will never deny you. They could threaten to kill me and I would never leave your side. And to prove his confidence that night, he went after and foolishly attacked a Roman shoulder and chopped his ear off. See, Jesus, I will never leave you. I'll chop yours off instead. <laughs> and like Joshua's initial overconfidence at I, Peter's overconfidence led to a devastating failure that night. After he denied he knew Jesus three times, Peter was also humiliated and grieving over his failure just like Joshua was at I. Both men, though, were visited by a patient, loving father after their failures who provided them with encouragement 
and instruction. Look at what happens to Peter. This is after the resurrection when Jesus goes and seeks Peter out. You understand that? Peter wasn't saying, I'm going to go seek Jesus out. Jesus said, I'm going to get Peter and give him a second chance. Look what he says. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? All right, stop. Third time. I put that in bold. Bible geeks. How many times did Jesus or Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus ask Peter if he loved him? That's not a coincidence. Peter knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. Isn't that cool? Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know every... And by this time, Peter's just like broken and humble, right? He denied Jesus. Jesus was resurrected. Like, what was I thinking? Lord, you know everything. And this is like total humility, right? You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. Rely on your own wisdom. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. This was Peter's eye moment. Jesus seeks out Peter for that second chance, not vice versa. And Peter, probably at this time, doesn't even believe he deserves a second chance, right? But it didn't matter what Peter thought because Jesus said, you do. And just as Joshua gave instructions for a second chance, or just as God gave Joshua instructions for a second chance, resurrected Jesus, does the same thing here for Peter. Just like Joshua needed to hear, don't be afraid, Peter needed to hear from Jesus, feed my sheep and follow me. From then on, I'll tell you, like nobody's business, Peter understood that following Jesus would require reliance on God's power and God's wisdom more than his own. What happened after that colossal failure and that second chance? Do you remember what happened in the New Testament? Peter, the Jesus denier, became the leader of the first century church. God used Peter, and he even promised this before. He said, "On your, you're the rock that I'll build my church on. God used Peter as the catalyst to build the institution that God would use to do what? Feed his sheep and keep them in community together throughout the age, even to this very moment in this room today. You are a beneficiary of Peter's second chance after his eye moment. Both stories of success came in the form of these two men enduring failure and embracing second chances and abandoning their own wisdom and their own strength in favor of that of God's. Personal section. I want to talk about your AI moment. This was the sermon preview this week. God uses eye moments to equip his people to be a blessing to all nations. These two stories, they teach us that God keeps his covenant with his people, even when we, his people, fail and fall and falter. You know what happens when we do fail and falter? You know what those are? Those are eye moments. God uses these eye moments to help us learn from our mistakes and to rely on his wisdom and power more than we rely on our own. And God uses eye moments to reveal true followers of Jesus. Do you hear what I said? God uses eye moments to reveal who the true 
followers of Jesus are. You know how he reveals them? Through our endurance and our resilience and our ability and willingness to get up and keep going no matter what. If you're not a follower of Jesus, listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I moments will be a very good excuse for you to give up and abandon God's people and go your own way. And you probably will. As difficult as their eye moments were, both Joshua and Peter became better prepared to do what? Go into the land. Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame like eye moments did. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, that days between the first defeat and the ultimate victory were difficult. I bet Joshua wouldn't trade those days, though, for anything. You know, like five years later, I bet Joshua never said, you know, I never wish the failure at I had happened. I bet you he was glad. And as devastating as Peter's eye moment must have been in the years after as he followed Jesus faithfully, I bet Peter's eye moment became very precious to him. This theme of God using eye moments to teach and refine and provide second chances reveals how God's covenant works. He will always, listen to me, follower of Jesus. Are you struggling today? Let me tell you right now, he will always provide second chances for his chosen. Chances for restoration, instruction, and encouragement, and then recommitment, which we will study next week. Can you see how we need the preparation and strengthening these I moments provide for us as we go into the land, how desperate we need these. Hebrews 10, 36. For you have need of endurance. So when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And just as God's sovereign grace was on display during Joshua and Peter's I moments, so it is for you and us today, right now, right here. Jesus is using I moments throughout grace life to sanctify us and equip us and prepare us for what is to come next. And God has brought our precious church to this passage right now today, I believe, by his sovereignty for a specific Reason, You know why? Because the mission he has given us is treacherous. You know, as your pastor, I can say many of you over the last few weeks have shared with me that you are currently facing your own I moments and you're unsure what's supposed to happen or what this means or where you're supposed to go next or what you did. Many of you have shared with me that you're experiencing this crisis of faith. I mean, you're trying your best to follow Jesus. But you've made some mistakes and some errors along the way, and you're discouraged, you're disheartened, you're doubting. And that's okay. We've all been there. I moments are part of being human. 
Joshua was there. So was Peter. And just as God used their eye moments, God is using yours to equip not only you for what's next, but us as your church family for what is next. Eye moments will not be and cannot be an excuse to quit. Listen to me, church. If you're in an eye moment right now, get up, listen, learn, and keep following Jesus because I promise you, sooner or later, your eye will fall. Galatians 6, 9. So let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who endures, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Some of you are maybe a little farther along. You have recently survived an AI moment. You've learned from it. You got up, you learned, and you're going into the land again. I have her permission for this, but I just want to say I think of our sister Brittany, who's with us today. She's had many eyes. But today, by grace, she is here. In this room, you know what she's doing? She is following Jesus with us the best she can. And stories like Joshua and, and Peter and, and Brittany, you know what they do? They reveal who God really loves. Because we, if God loves us and we hear his voice, we, no matter what the AI moment is, we won't quit. We will get up. We will keep following Jesus. Followers of Jesus will always, listen to me, we will always end up returning to the battle. We will never abandon God's people because of an I moment. Now for the rest of you, if you aren't in an I moment currently, trust me, if you are following Jesus, you will be soon. None of us are perfect. As we follow Jesus' command to go into the land, you will try something and you will fail. And it's okay. When you face your I moment, you might feel alone, but you're not. You have your grace life family alongside of you. When I moments come, don't quit. Stay connected with God's people and learn and trust God and embrace your second chance or your third or your fourth. Because faithfully following Jesus, this is, this is an important truth for you to get. Are you listening? Faithfully following Jesus is not judged by your kingdom win-loss record. I was 36 and four last year. No, that's not how it's measured. You know how your following of Jesus is measured? By your endurance. Because you understand that grace is not just about forgiveness when you mess up. It's also how God prepares you for kingdom work. Are you experiencing an eye moment today? Well, follower of Jesus, I have a message for you. 
It's the same one that God gave Joshua at the beginning of our passage today. Do not fear or be dismayed. Don't quit. A second chance is coming. And God has promised that in the end, we together will have victory. Dear Jesus, we don't like I moments, but we're thankful for them. Maybe not in the moment we're going through it, but after we're through it, we've experienced your love and grace and mercy and redemption. And we've learned and we've gotten back up and we're following you again. We know when that happens, when we endure those, we are a stronger follower than we were before. Lord, we're so reliant on our own wisdom and discernment so often. Lord, help us to take full advantage of our past eye moments, the ones now and the ones to come, so that each time we experience them, we'll be more reliant upon you and less reliant upon ourselves. Lord, I pray for those in this room right now today who are right in the middle of an eye moment. They're still reeling. They haven't gotten up yet. Lord, by your spirit who you've given to us, inspire them to have the encouragement and the power and the ability to get up and learn, stay in community and keep following. For those who have gone through the eye moment, and they've embraced their second chance and they're up and they're walking. Lord, I pray that you would continue to strengthen them and encourage them because there's another eye moment coming. Lord, we, we long for the day that when you come and you perfect us, that we will follow you perfectly without mistake ever again. But we know that we're not there yet. We're still going into the land. We're still carrying the gospel, the message of hope and love and peace. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be more reliant upon your wisdom than our own. And when the I moments come, Lord, don't let us fall for the danger of trying to endure them by ourselves. Lord, shepherd us back into the community of your people. We'll get through any eye moment that comes together with each other and by the power of your truth and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. See you next week.